welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Thank you, big voice in the sky. A quick adjustment for those of you who tuned in uh, to Wednesday's show and uh, made it all the way through the end. All the important stuff's at the end. Play it till the end, folks. Don't worry. Your your mobile device will take care of it. Uh, Give us all the plays, all the reviews, all the listens. Subscribe on iTunes. But uh, Barton Simmons, the Simmons clan, is adding one. So he is uh, he is on daddy duty right now, new father duty. Will, his second, actually. Uh, but Tom Fernelli here as always for the picks show. Tom, it's you and me, buddy. We're holding it down, and uh, and Barton has submitted his picks, so we will get a chance to uh, tell him how wrong they are, and he will have <laughs> no chance to rebuttal. So let's uh, let's let's dive right in. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five star locks are coming. Come get these locks. Five star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks? I'm 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 living and dying every every point, every cover. We've here's the standings. Barton plus seven. Tom. Wow, how'd he do last week? Alright, I will review. Plus seven. He Bart- did have a really good week in the expert picks on the site too. Barton, not- uh, what Barton smashed Clemson, Mississippi State, and Florida, and only lost on Wyoming. Mm-hmm. So it was a plus two week for him after being at plus five the week before. Um, you missed on South Carolina. Hit on Ooh. Purdue and the Northwestern Bowling Green under by a point. Yeah, that was a that was a long last seven and a half minutes to that game. So it was plus one on the week, uh, plus three for the season, and then a, a rough, 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 uh, rough go for your boy. Um, Wisconsin BYU under missed because of a penalty which allowed Wisconsin had a third and goal. They didn't get it. They were going to kick a field goal that was going to keep me under, but there was a penalty, so they got backed up, and then Troy Fumagalli caught a touchdown pass, smashing it. Very disappointing. So I missed on that one. I missed on SMU plus 19 by a point. And Central Michigan-Syracuse over. Yeah, whatever, I'll take that. South Carolina, I was way off. Hit on Clemson, hit on Mississippi State. So that is a minus two for the week, minus four for the season. I'm I like I like your approach where you blame other people. It's the same one I follow when one of my picks goes wrong. Like l- last week in my pick six, I went three and three, but technically I consider myself four and two because it's not my fault. Tennessee safeties didn't bother to think of the end zone on the last play of the game. Hey, listen, I'm I'm a critic of blame deflection. I only point these close losses out so that the audience or anyone else who followed these picks can understand how gut how much of a gut punch it was and. You know, if uh, if if you're if you're a fan of fading, understand that it will be equally as stressful if you're fading my picks. So <laughs> we're uh, we're gonna get back at it. 
um, you know, trying to close the gap on Barton, trying to get you the winners that you need, and of course, preview the biggest games of the weekend. So, Tom, get us started. First lock. First lock of the week this week is a Friday night game. I am taking Utah minus three and a half at Arizona in both teams' big Pac-12 opener. Arizona right now enters the game as one of the top rushing teams in the nation, averaging 328 yards per game with 13 rushing touchdowns. Rich Rod has kind of gone back to his, you know, running with Brandon Dawkins at quarterback because they can't really throw all that well. They're running the hell out of the ball. But those stats are very misleading because about 500 of those yards came against Northern Arizona. 330 yards came last week against a horrible UTEP, and 12 of their 13 rushing touchdowns came in those two games. Against Houston, Arizona's running game barely managed to do anything against Ed Oliver in that front four. And now they're going against a Utah defense to this point in the season, as far as yards per carry are concerned, the best run defense in the nation. Not top five, not top ten. Number one, Lowell Latulale is Utah's Ed Oliver. I see Arizona really struggling to run the ball against Utah on Friday night. And if Arizona can't run the ball, I don't have much faith at all in its offense to do much of anything. And I think Utah is going to cover this one rather easily. I don't – what do you like about – I think that this could end up being low scoring. It could be, but I don't know how – I don't think – I think it could be 17 to 10. Yeah, like o- over under 57 and a half. I'm looking at that. I like your Utah pick. I think I stuck with Utah uh, for the expert picks as well. But this is a game where I, I just can see, uh, like you said, Arizona getting stonewalled at the one thing that it's uh, that it tries to do. Arizona has no plan B, and Utah just slowly squeezes the life out of them over the course of four quarters. That's I'll take that. No, yeah, give me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, Utah minus three and a half. Um, all right, I'm gonna go with this one right here. It's one of our top twenty-five against top twenty-five matchups. Uh, three thirty Eastern time kickoff. Obviously, you'll be watching Alabama and Vanderbilt, the SEC on CBS game of the week, which you can see on CBS on CBSSports.com and the CBS app. Uh, check it out for. Nick Costas and your boy Chip on the pregame, halftime, and postgame show online. So, you know, if you want to multi-screen it up, always a good option. TCU traveling to play Oklahoma State. I've got uh, – I'm going to lock in here at Oklahoma State minus 12 and a half. And I think that Oklahoma State is one of these teams where it's going to take maybe about five weeks – or like, uh, you know, the a trap game on the conference schedule before Vegas catches up to them. It's just one of these. Uh, like when we when we see these teams that where uh, I can even think of like wasn't Baylor like this a couple years ago? These yes. these like high flying explosive offensive teams that are just so dang good that you really can't accurately Vegas the bookmakers have trouble accurately setting. Uh, point spreads that aren't going to be too high. I I don't think they've caught up to the Cowboys yet. And a, a anything under two touchdowns, I liked it at twelve and a half. I know it's been at 13, 13 and a half. I think anything under other than two, under two touchdowns, uh, I like the Cowboys here. I mean, seven drives, seven touchdowns. It does not get more efficient than Oklahoma State. That's a very efficient offensive output. 
<laughs> it is. I feel like you can't do much. I mean, maybe if you go, the only way you can do better is if you go for two every time and get it. <laughs> but, no, I, I'm with you. I, I also, in the expert picks, I took, we picked it for the expert picks at 11 and a half, and I really liked it there. It has moved to 12 and a half since, but it was at 13 and a half for a while yesterday, and that was kind of getting me a little scared of it. But I still like it at 12 and a half, but I also have this game as one of my locks, but I took a different direction. Over? No. Under? Yeah. Love it. The under is currently set at 71 and a half. Um, TCU joined the Big 12 in 2012. They, that means they've played Oklahoma State once every season for the last five years. This total, The average total of the five games between these two teams the last five years has been 50 points. It's been a lot lower scoring game than you would expect from these two teams the way they've been the last few years. Only once in the five games, which was in 2015, did the total go over the 71 and a half that we're looking at right now. So I think I, I just feel like this number is another one of those instances where Vegas is just seeing Oklahoma State TCU figuring Oklahoma State's offense is going to score a lot of points. TCU's offense will score a lot of points, but not paying close enough attention to the way the games between these two have actually worked out. Gary Patterson's defense has done a good job of slowing down Mike Gundy's offense over the years. And Oklahoma State's defense, you know, for all the attention the offense gets and for good reason. Last year that defense was good, and this year the defense looks pretty good. I think it's not. I don't think it's quite up to the level of last year's team, but it's still a solid defense, particularly in the Big Twelve. It's going to be one of the better defensive units. So, I'm looking at a game where I think both teams could easily get into the 30s, but I'm not expecting high 30s. I'm thinking like a 34 to 31 kind of final score. This is a uh, this is one of several games on the slate where I was looking at the over unders and I was trying to figure out a, a total play that I would add and. Uh, I, I, I don't. I, I see a lot of numbers between like sixty six and seventy two. Uh, another game like or uh, another game like that was like the U. Do you have USC Cal on your list for any not, play? Not as a lock, no. Um, that was another one where it was like, I kind of feel good about USC winning. Um, I think I took them in in the expert picks. But like that over under of sixty four and a half. Four I don't, and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I kind of feel like that's based on the Cal of old, not not this new defensive stalwart Cal that we've seen the first three (laughs) weeks. The uh, 85, the 85 Cal Bears out there. Uh, (laughs) No, yeah, I I like the under in that one, too, simply because I don't I don't see Cal scoring enough points to get to the over in this game. Yeah, this this is one where it's like 31 to 3 or the you know 31 to 10 or something like that uh where give them a little more credit <laughs> well i mean they they get they get out there and like usc usc is going to come into this game after having a lot on tape that didn't go well against texas yeah this is a get right game for the trojans and the trojans don't have any bye weeks so you got to look at these uh you got to look at these cow games as an opportunity to get right all right um Let's go. Do you, are you going to make Mississippi State, Georgia any part of your lock? No, they're not part of my locks. Oh, yeah, because you want no part of this. Uh, no, there's there's a side I like. I'm just not confident enough to make it a lock. Okay, I split the baby on this one. Uh, oh. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going Mississippi State against the spread. Georgia straight up. My score pick is like 24-23 or 27-24. Um, I, I, I see this being, 
uh, a game where Nick Fitzgerald hits a couple big plays, but maybe not as many long touchdown plays. And the way that LSU just kind of quit against Mississippi State, that's obviously not going to be the case in this game. So I'm, I, I really, really like. Uh, I, I mean, the total is 48 and a half, and I think that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of predicting something that'll be a little bit close to that. So anything over four, I like the Bulldogs, and Georgia, I think, ultimately ends up winning, giving them the advantage of, like, home field, huge game, like a sneaky huge game. This one really crept up on them. This could end up being the biggest home game that Georgia's going to have all year. And uh, after talking to Rusty Mansell from Dogs Two Four Seven, it was uh, it was clear the vibe is going to be uh, it's it's going to be live in uh, between the hedges for that one. So I I like Mississippi State to cover, and I like Georgia to win. With the ultimate advantage being uh, that front seven on defense. I I put this game in pick six because you know I always put the two biggest games of the weekend in, and lo and behold, suddenly Georgia Mississippi State is one of the biggest games of the weekend. I uh, I actually took Georgia minus four and a half in the in my expert picks. The number is now at five and a half. The line opened at six, quickly went down to I think it was at three and a half for yeah, a little while. That was too was, low. Yeah, there that I wish I could have gotten my pick six pick in on that point. But uh there was so much, you know, Mississippi State beat LSU by thirty, so of course the public is going to be jumping all over Mississippi State this week. And what what I you know, in honor of Barton not being in here, we've got some reverse line movement here, Chip. I know. I saw there it. are still sixty three percent of the bets coming in on Mississippi State, yet in the last twenty four hours that line has moved from Georgia minus four and a half to Georgia minus five and a half. So it appears the Sharps are coming in on the Red Bulldogs, not the Maroon ones in this game. So I, I'm taking Georgia minus five and a half simply because I just feel like there's a bit of an overreaction to Mississippi State's win against LSU last week. Mississippi State's defense is really good. Nick Fitzgerald is really good. I just think that in a lot of people's minds is based on the coaches pulling the AP poll, a lot of people think LSU is better than it actually is. Well, as you pointed out, uh, five AP voters kept LSU ahead of Mississippi State. Ahead of Miss, Yeah, and three of them didn't even have Mississippi State on their ballot. But I, I, I look at that, so I'm like, okay, that was an awesome win. I don't know if LSU is that good. And now a week later, having to go on the road to play Georgia in an atmosphere which, as you described, could be lit. I just... I, I have a hard time thinking Mississippi State's going to be able to pull off that kind of upset two weeks in a row because Georgia, you know, we we've given the SEC a lot of grief this year because it really doesn't look very good outside of Alabama. I mean, Mississippi State right now looks like the second best team in the conference, and it's not a knock on Mississippi State, but anytime the Bulldogs are the second best team in the SEC, it feels like there's something wrong. Right. But I still think Georgia is a good team and Georgia is probably the favorite in the East. You know, last week they played Samford, so you didn't really pay much attention to him. But two weeks ago, that defense looked really good against Notre Dame on the road. I mean, Notre Dame is a team that is running the hell out of the ball. They're, I think, top five in the nation as far as rushing yards per game. And Georgia completely stifled it. That defense is really good. So I see Georgia doing an excellent job of limiting Nick Fitzgerald and Mississippi State's offense. And I think on offense with Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, they're gonna be able. They're not. It's not going to be a high-scoring affair. I expect this to be a lower-scoring kind of defensive slog. 
But I just have faith in Georgia's offense to be able to pull this one out at home in what is going to be a huge game for them. So I, I like Georgia minus the points. And this is like why where you punch your ticket is always so stressful because uh, the the scores that I predict coming out of this game are 21-17, 24-20, but also mm-hmm. 27-21. Hey, there's a six-point win. Like yeah. there, there are all these different... Uh, combinations of scores that indicate a close, uh, well-played Saturday night SEC game with uh, both teams being under 30 points where like a missed field goal or like one uh, block here or there is going to end up deciding the point spread. But uh, ultimately, yeah, I'm if, if Mississippi State does this thing two weeks in a row, that's going to be ridiculous. And I'm not going to – like that – that will be the biggest shock to me is if Mississippi State comes back from that huge emotional LSU win and goes into Georgia and gets that victory because then all of a sudden we're looking at the Bulldogs next week going into Auburn as what? Yeah. Like a favorite? <laughs> Maybe depending on how Auburn <laughs> plays this week. Yeah, I uh yeah, I, I honestly think that despite the margin of victory last week, I think that was the most impressive thing. It's beating LSU by 30. But I think if Mississippi State beats Georgia this week, that's more impressive than their win over LSU. And I think if they do end up winning this game on Saturday night, it's like, oh, okay. So this is <laughs> this is the real thing. This is something that Alabama is going to have to worry about a little and is probably going to happen. You know, it's probably going to be a recurring theme throughout the season. If, if they win this week, I think we know that this team is for real, real. Uh, for, for real, real? real real all right so uh again arkans no uh locks from barton chip or tom but definitely one of our favorite games of the weekend um all right let's go to barton's list he is he's going to a game that i'm staying away from because it just feels like it's destined to be weird texas (laughs) a&m arkansas playing in jerry world right yeah Playing? In in the Dallas Cowboys themed uniforms for Arkansas, it's uh, right now we Barton's going to lock in at Arkansas plus two and a half. Why is Texas A and M favored here? because uh, it's in Texas. I, I, don't I, I, know. I don't know. This is like I feel like this is a pick'em if I ever saw one. Like Jerry World, it, uh, Jerry World should be a home game for Arkansas. He's an Arkansas guy. I look this. This game terrifies me. The line terrifies me. The I just know that it's gonna need can't trust either one of these teams. Um I I think that for Texas AM, the Texas AM beating Arkansas will not like alleviate any concerns about Texas AM or Kevin Sumlin, but Texas AM getting blown out by Arkansas absolutely would accelerate the storyline very quickly oh yeah i mean yeah <laughs> if, if texas a&m gets crushed by arkansas kevin Sumlin might not make it till monday <laughs> goodness gracious what's your pick on this game i am also terrified of it i i don't know because i feel like you know arkansas you know i still remember how it looked against tcu and it didn't look great but then at the same time i also remember watching texas a&m try to throw the ball with kellen mond at quarterback and that looked even worse i have no point of the spread that i like at all honestly if i was making any play on this game just because i think it's such going to it's like i said i think this should be a pick 'em. 
I would just take Arkansas on the money line if I'm making any play at all, just simply because you're getting better value on that than you are on the point spread. And I think if Ar- if Arkansas covers, I feel like Arkansas is winning. Yeah. I mean, well, that is, isn't that like ultimately what you have to do for your two and a half point spreads? Yeah. Yeah. You just got to take the team you think are, is going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Hit me with another lock. Uh, my final lock this week, I've only got three. Big surprise. Auburn at Mizzou under 60. Does that number not seem incredibly high to you? I mean, here's here's the the other side of it. I don't know if Missouri's defense like cares. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I just I could see uh Auburn hitting a lot of long plays. I I could see it too, but I feel like there's been so much focus on Missouri's defense being awful that we haven't really discussed the fact that Mizzou's offense has been awful in every game besides the Missouri State game. Mizzou's not, you know, they, they've scored, I think, 16 points in the last two weeks. You know, 13 against South Carolina and only three against Purdue at home last week. This how, is a team. How about Purdue coach Jeff Brom apologizing for being conservative in the second half? Oh, I love him so much. Oh, my goodness. He's like, look, I, I, guys, I'm really sorry about that. That was that was on me. I shouldn't have done it. We should have run up the score. We should have run it the hell up on him. <laughs> I just, I see that totals being too high in this game because honestly, <laughs> watching that Purdue-Mizzou game last week, you get the strong sense that Mizzou players are kind of checking out already. Oh, it's they're, so bad. Yeah, they're just kind of maybe done at this point, it seems like, and Auburn could easily put up a lot of points in this game, but at the same time, Auburn's offense hasn't exactly been exciting. There's, it's not like the Tigers are out there lighting it up against anybody. I mean, they struggled to move the ball against Mercer last week. This is not exactly an offense that seems to be, you know, in, in full drive at this point. So I, I expect this to be a pretty easy Auburn win. And I think that even if Auburn gets to four into the forties, you know, 42, 45, somewhere in that area, I don't think Mizzou is going to score much of anything because Auburn's defense has not been a problem. Auburn's defense is still pretty damn good. So I don't see Mizzou scoring much more than 10 in this game, which means I could feel safe with Auburn going anywhere under 50. I, I think that Auburn's uh, defense is great up front. Like their defensive line is really, really solid. But uh, there is for sure, uh, in my opinion, a little bit of uncertainty, at least, about the back end. So, mm-hmm. like, if you miss, I like the pick, but I think that if you miss this, it's going to be on some, like, oh, damn it, like coverage bust, uh, Drew Lock, 50 yard touchdown pass or something like that. Listen, if you lose it under, it's always a coverage bust, all right? You were right the entire time. It's like I said earlier. The picks are right. The players are wrong. <laughs> you know I hate blame deflection when it comes to these picks. <laughs> it rubs me. It grinds my gears. No. All right. Uh, let's talk about the SEC on CBS game of the week. Cool. Alabama at Vanderbilt. The bell rings. For the Vanderbilt Commodores this week. Oh, boy. So we've got a 19.5 point spread the way that we picked it for the expert picks. And a reminder that, number one, Alabama uh, playing against Vanderbilt in Nashville. You can see it on CBS, cbsports.com, and the CBS mobile app across all OTT devices and mobile devices. I 
I look at it and I think that more than anything, I'm excited to learn a little bit more about Alabama. Like I don't, I don't think that we are going to have the kind of season last year where Alabama went 10 and four against the spread. We already don't have that kind of season with Alabama not covering against this two group of five opponents at home. This is more like the Alabama that I'm going to be looking at in November to win like a 13 to nothing squeaker against Arkansas. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm taking it. I'm laying the points with Alabama and I feel good. Really? Yeah. I just, I, Vandy's defense is legit. Obviously it's allowed 13 points in three games. Did a really good job against a tough Kansas state offense last week. I just, I cannot find a way where I believe the Vanderbilt offense does much of anything in this game. And I, I feel like even if Alabama doesn't completely steamroll them, if Alabama gets to 27 or 30, <clears throat> I think it's a pretty safe cover. I just, I, I, Every I don't I don't even know how to explain it. I just feel like this is an Alabama cover, and I'm really not that worried about it. I just Vanderbilt's not going to score enough points. It's that simple. Yeah, and if and if you get the one thing that made uh, Alabama so good against the spread last year was the defensive touchdowns. Like Alabama gets one pick six, this thing's over. Alabama cover, or just like a special teams touchdown. Too. Yeah, which is also equally likely. Um, yeah. Come on, I mean, doors. I, I'm, I'm sure Vanderbilt's pumped for this game. Yeah. You know, it's obviously a huge game, but it's just, it's like, what kind of atmosphere is it really going to be to intimidate Alabama? <laughs> you hear that, doors? Tom Fernelli out here hating. No, I'm saying, even if they fill that stadium and they're raucous, it's like, for Alabama, that's nothing new. It's not like they're going to come out in the field and say, oh, no. <laughs> There's a bunch of angry Nashvillians over here. I, I mean, I... I just think this is an Alabama blowout, and it's nothing about Vanderbilt. I think Vanderbilt's going to be a good team. I think Vanderbilt's going bowling this year. I just don't think it's quite to the place yet where I'm considering taking it against Alabama. All right. <laughs> what about the over-under here? 43. I like the over. Nice. I do think I think Alabama's going to get into the 30s on its own, and then if Vandy could just manage 10 points... It's it's weird picking it over in a Vandy game, believe me. <laughs> but I just feel like this one should probably go over. All right. Okay. Um, I've got a lock. <gasps> Let's get weird. Syracuse plus 21 and a half in Death Valley against LSU. <laughs> Man. <laughs> I understand. Before you even explain, I understand your logic. I understand why. And I'll let you explain your pick. I just, it's like to hear that. Yeah. I'm taking Syracuse on the road <laughs> against LSU. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. So last year, this game was in the Carrier Dome. Leonard Fournette was healthy, and LSU only won by 10, 34 24. This year, we find out that Darius Geis is not going to play. Syracuse finally got some offensive mojo rolling with Eric Dungy last week against the world beaters known as Central Michigan. You know, good vibes, good vibes all around. Dino Babers, you know, hoping that the light bulb's gone off, hoping that things are starting to click for them offensively. I think 
that there is a potential of uh, things getting a little bit rocky for LSU. So I'm looking at it was only a 10-point game last year. I'm looking at Darius Geis being out, and I'm looking at an LSU team which did not have the best uh, body language or performance in the second half against Mississippi State. And I'm thinking that they look at Syracuse as a team that they can 100% beat. And, you know, maybe this ends up being like 31-17. But that we, especially with the hook on the 21, I'll take hashtag GoACC on the road in Baton Rouge. (laughs) Come on, Dino, baby. Let's bring home the cash. Again, I don't hate the pick. I, I... I, my concern is that, you know, Matt Canada kind of started catching grief last week after what happened against Mississippi State. And I don't think it was Matt Canada's fault as much as it was just Mississippi State's defense played a really good game, especially up front. And I, I just have a fear that even without Darius Geis, or especially now that they don't have Darius Geis, maybe, maybe LSU's offense is going to want to, you know, bedazzle some folks. And Syracuse's defense is a good defense to do that against. Yeah, it is. I thought you so, said good defense. I was about to say, I don't know about that. No, yeah, no, yeah that's <laughs> probably the best defense in the country, that orange defense. But, um, yeah, so I, I, I get concerned that this could become a track meet in which Syracuse offensively just isn't able to hold up against the LSU defense. But again, as I discussed earlier in the podcast, I don't know how good LSU actually is. I mean, this could be an eight and four team. It could be a seven and five team. It's it's there's so many question marks about this team that again, I if Syracuse, you know, can get things going on offense, I would not be shocked if the Orange make this much more of a game than the the spread suggests it will be. So, I I don't disagree. I don't dislike your pick. I don't know if I'm confident enough that I would make it a lock. Lock with Syracuse <laughs> on the road, but. Yeah, this is this is a strange game. This this one could get kind of weird. I love it. Go Syracuse. Um, how wrong were we about LSU and Auburn? Very wrong. But I I think part of it is just you know Alabama is the best team in the SEC, and I think whether you're aware of it or not, subconsciously you want to believe there's going to be a challenge. Yeah, because it's been so boring the last few years in the SEC because, you know, none of these games are going to matter until the SEC title game. That's probably not going to be close. The only time we're going to be excited to watch Alabama this year is once it's finally in the playoff. So I think subconsciously going into the year, you're just like, come on, somebody's got to be there to give this team a chance. Somebody's got to be able to pose some kind of threat. Let's look at these teams and try to figure out who is the most capable of doing it. So. Auburn, you know, Jared Stibbs coming in. Woo! You know, LSU, you know, Darius Geis, Heisman candidate. Woo! And then the season starts, and you're like, no, yeah. They're not good. We got to wait till Alabama gets to the playoff to really pay any attention to it. (laughs) Like, I mean, I think it's because they make us fill out these ballots at the media days and when we're doing our preseason projections and everything else. Like, we have to fill it out one two three four five six seven. When in reality, it's like one four 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 four. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ooh, everybody's big on Auburn this year. They're finishing second. Well, well, kinda. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't exactly an accurate representation of how we really see things in the SEC West. It, 
It's a four and four second place. <laughs> um, are you going to make? Uh, uh, all right, so you're you're all locked out. I'm right. locked out, but I got plenty of thoughts. Okay, Florida, Kentucky. Can Kentucky get this done? Yes. Oh yeah. I this dude take the under in this one. This is another under I like because these are two teams that have good defenses and offensively they're not exactly all there. Although. There's, I have a sneaking suspicion Florida's offense might kind of have a get-right game as far as, I mean, get-right to the extent that a Florida offense is going to get-right. So I, I, I'm leaning towards Florida winning, but this is very much a game that Kentucky can win. And if, if Kentucky does pull off this upset, I mean, we're going to be living in a very, very strange world. I mean, it's been 30 straight games Kentucky's defense is salty. Yeah, I learned that last week the hard way. Oh my gosh, I it, it's going to get close near the end of the game, and it's either going to be Florida pulling out another one like the horseshoe. You know, it's gonna we're gonna have the horseshoe effect with Jim McElwain, or <laughs> uh, or Kentucky is going to rush the field and take the fine uh, in what would be one of the biggest wins for Mark Stoops. Yeah, this is uh, it's such a strange idea to think that I'm excited to watch Florida, Kentucky. I'm so excited. This isn't yeah, and this isn't the SEC basketball championship game. No, no, no. this ain't you know no. There's this ain't Calipari versus Mike White is now the Florida coach. I yeah, think. it's Mike White. Yeah, I still it's still Billy Donovan in my heart. It's uh, <laughs> KD says what's up. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're not playing this game in Rupp Arena. This is at the Kroger Field, and you don't step into the deli counter asking to just walk out of here with a win, Florida. Take a number. Take a number. You come to the deli counter, you're going to get sliced. Yes. <laughs> I've got so many Kroger jokes. <laughs> I can't wait to break them all out on Saturday night. Um, all right. One of Barton's locks. He stayed away from the uh, the Florida Kentucky game. Florida State back in action at home. NC State's coming to town. He locked it in at thirteen and a half. Uh, we picked it on. We picked it at eleven and a half for the expert picks. This uh, this line's been growing, and I think that it's because Florida State's the right side here. I. I agree. If I'm taking any side here, I'm taking Florida State. It's back to 13 now, so he got it in just in time at the 12 and a half. But uh, my only concern... Oh, I no, he Florida got it State, at 13 and a half. We're locking oh, him in at 13. 13. Oh, so, oh, he was too soon. He was too quick on the trigger. He should have waited a day. <laughs> but I'm, I'm also on Florida State in the expert picks. My only concern is that, you know, this team hasn't played in a long time. There's you worry about it's like they're well rested for sure. They've had plenty of time, you know, without DeAndre Francois to prep and get ready, which I think is nice when you have to break in a new quarterback. But I just wonder about the rust. But still, even then, I feel like if there is rust, it's not going to last more than a quarter. And although NC State, you know, has historically given Florida State some trouble, it's usually not in Tallahassee. It's usually in Raleigh. And I feel like NC State is a team that. Maybe our expectations for before the season were a bit higher than they actually should have been. So I, I, I think Florida State's going to win this one rather comfortably. NC State has a very nasty and good defensive line, but there's and not much else. Yeah, their secondary has been suspect. 
And I think that that's where the advantage is going to be because, you know, between Nyquan Murray or like Auden Tate or George Campbell, like FSU's got some receivers. You know, they were making plays against Alabama's secondary. So I think that even as true freshman quarterback James Blackman steps into this uh, very big role, I think that they'll be able, like Jimbo Fisher will make things very easy on him and put together a game plan that'll just have like the like you just need to read one side of the field type stuff like we're either we're either going with uh, like a lot of smash routes you know very pro style it'll be uh it'll be something where the combination of florida state's wide receiver advantage and a game plan that'll help him sort of get into rhythm i agree there might be a little bit of rust things might be dicey but i don't think nc state's offense is explosive enough against a good Florida State defense for even a slow start to matter here. I think Florida State pulls away late. Yeah, probably. All right, he's got Florida State minus 13 and a half. How about this? Stanford minus seven against uh, against UCLA. Uh, I just, I have no idea what Stanford is. I'm terrified because you know what was happening? David Shaw just let the game run out. Yeah. I he finished with two timeouts in his pocket. He was like, you know what? This is this is trash. I'm tired of this. I'm getting out of here. They had that shot of him standing by himself on the sideline. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I, he, obviously at that point in the game, even with those timeouts, if he calls them, the odds are not good <laughs> that Stanford's gonna win that game at that point. But yeah. I feel like that was one of those, I am so mad that I'm not even going to bother trying to f- save this one. I want you guys to sit and stew on it. Um, I Yeah, I. it's hard to want to go with UCLA because, I mean, I feel like that comeback against Texas A&M was amazing. But there's this is still a very flawed UCLA team, which we saw last week against Memphis. But seven just seems too large for me to want to trust Stanford. A, a Stanford defense that has seemed a lot more susceptible up front than we typically see from Stanford defenses. An offensive line that has done a nice job run blocking. I feel like Bryce Love breaking free for huge plays has really kind of masked how good that rush offense really is this year. Oh, it skewed the statistics for sure. Oh, very much. And it's also an offensive line that really hasn't been much for pass blocking. So I have legitimate concerns about the Cardinal this year. And for me, I don't want to go anywhere near this game because UCLA, for all its flaws, Josh Rosen could still have a day. See, and this is what's interesting. So Josh Rosen, um, like UCLA doesn't run the ball very well. No. Stanford, I think, might be better on the back end of the defense than up front, which killed them against San Diego State. Like, it was so weird to watch San Diego State, like, repeated third downs where it was like third and four, third and five, Stanford needs to make a stop the offense runs the ball and gets the first down. Like it was not normal for me to see Stanford's defense fail again and again to get off the field when they needed to stop. You know, like this Would is you- this is the team that does the that like comes up with the huge the the huge stop the party in the backfield crew. Like it is uh 
Yeah, it's it's strange. I I wonder if maybe that's part of the the thought is that UCLA's one thing that they do attacks one place where Stanford's pretty good and the big plays that UCLA gives up might benefit an a Stanford offense that really is just hoping to hit a couple of these big plays. Possibly. I mean, I again, my my concern though is with Stanford. There's really hasn't been much of a pass rush. I and know there hasn't. If you're giving Josh Rosen time, I mean, your secondary might be really good, but if Josh Rosen has time, like many quarterbacks, you know, the receivers can get open, and if there's a quarterback out there that can find them when they are, it's Rosen. So I I just this game, I'm going to watch and pay attention to it. I'm just not interested at all in trying to tell you what's going to happen in it. You ready to get nasty? I'm always ready to get nasty. How about Scott Frost and the UCF Knights plus three and a half at Maryland? That game could be really fun. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm feeling good about getting three and a hook. Anything under than that, I'm a uh, I start to get a little bit nervous. But I think UCF wins this game. I think UCF could win the game. I, I I'm picking Maryland, but I I'm taking the over more than I'm taking anything. It's at 59 and a half, and I think that's a little too low for what these two teams are probably going to do on Saturday afternoon because it's. I, I feel like this could be a four-and-a-half-hour football game. <laughs> for sure. Both teams, both teams are big on explosive plays, and both teams are susceptible to explosive plays. Uh-huh. Hey, <laughs> if UCF wins, I won't be surprised at all, but I just expect there to be points, 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 and points. Uh, yeah, so lock me in with uh, UCF plus three and a half. They're getting healthy on the offensive line. Um, they've they've got – there was some Scott Frost talking this week about these games being something where he really is able to sell the chip-on-your-shoulder mentality to this roster that's been waiting to get back in action. You know, there might be some rust, uh, or they might be able to, to come out and make a statement. I mean, Maryland, in terms of trying to judge market value – the Texas game had some non-offensive touchdowns and was awesome, but it was also very weird. And Howard, I mean, Boston College even put 76 points on Howard a couple of years ago. Like it's, I think that this is, uh, I think this will be a fun game and I like riding, uh, riding the Knights to come into town. It's, it'd be another, it'd be two weeks in a row where the American team got a win over a Big Ten team. The, uh, yeah, South Florida, very proud of its first win against a Big Ten team ever. Yeah, they beat a juggernaut. They beat a juggernaut in the fighting Illini. A juggernaut who literally just pulled in a UCF grad transfer quarterback. Right now? like Pete DeNovo is at Illinois now. Do you remember Pete DeNovo? Mm, no. He started the game in Ireland against uh, BC a few years ago. Threw like nine passes before he lost his job to uh, what, who's UCF's quarterback. I can't remember his kid's name, but anyway, yeah, he threw like nine passes and now he's graduated and transferred to Illinois and Illinois quarterback situation is just that bad where it can take Pete DeNovo and say, we need that depth in uh, the middle of the season. <laughs> he's not immediately eligible, obviously. No, he is immediately eligible. How? Because he's walking on. Oh my goodness. So he walked on to Illinois. You actually, in- Illinois actually taking the pizza delivery guy and just throwing, yeah. giving him a helmet. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, to go behind the scenes, people won't care that are listening to this podcast. It's they want him just as depth so they don't have to burn the red shirt on their freshman. Ah, I got you. Um, all right. Let's go out to the Mountain West game on CBS Sports Network. 
I am going against San Diego State. Give me Air Force plus three and a half at home uh, against the Aztecs. San Diego State coming off that huge, long, grinding, draining win against Stanford. Air Force a little bit nervous about maybe some body blow theory coming off the Michigan game, but I watched a good bit of that game and in general kind of liked what I saw from Air Force. I mean, certainly the red zone issues that Michigan had are a little bit Michigan, but at the same time, um, I – I think that Air Force is a pretty good team. These were both 10-win teams last year. Uh, this is a, a game that has been traditionally competitive. So, I'm listen, man, give me the Falcons at home uh, with the points. Home dog. Let's do it. I, You know, this, this line opened at four and a half and then jumped to six. As everybody who saw that late, you know, Saturday night game against Stanford was like, oh, Give me the Aztecs, and now it's back down to three and a half. I, I like San Diego State. I, Air Force looked good against Michigan. The defense, in particular, looked pretty tough against Michigan because you know Michigan wasn't really trying to stretch the field on them. And I don't know if San Diego State's capable of stretching the field either. So I, I, I like the thought process there. It's just Air Force also benefited from Michigan being god awful in the red zone. Yeah. And that that final score probably should have been wider than it was in San Diego State. I just think, you know, this is as I wrote in the Fernelli 50 and my little blurb about San Diego State, something that most people this is a team that's 25 and six since the start of the 2015 season. I don't think most people realize how good this Aztecs team has been overall and in the Mountain West. So. I'm riding on the Aztecs minus three and a half at this point. I, I just think that's more likely. You know, Rashad Penny is my boy, and he I'm is. happy that he had a bit of a coming out party last week against Stanford. So I, I, I got to stick with him. All right. And uh, Barton's final lock on the board. Man, I uh, I don't like this pick. He's got Arizona State, and he locked it in at plus 16. It's now at 14 and a half. Yeah. I, you know... I get it. Going on the road, Oregon. Oregon has looked very strong to start, but it's also, you know, we saw it jumped out to that huge lead against Nebraska at halftime and then nearly gave it all away in the second half. And I think that defensively, Jim Levitt's still got some things to fix. So I, I understand the inclination when you're getting 16 points for a home team in a conference game, but I just have a really hard time trusting Arizona state when it comes to the spread. I'll take Arizona, I'll take overs in Arizona state games, but as far as covering a spread, I, that, that scares me a lot. I, uh, I like Oregon, Arizona state bottom 10 in the country in giving up explosive plays. Oh man. And what does, what do Willie Taggart and Oregon like to do? <laughs> yeah. I like, again, Oregon's not my lock here. Because no. I'm not going to take. Uh, no, know, it's a big spread. It's a scary spread. Yeah, I mean, you got You got to be crazy. You got to be like taking Syracuse and Death Valley crazy to take Oregon three scores <laughs> on the road in a conference game. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I would not be surprised. And again, like this is also something where you know you mentioned Oregon's defense. You you don't want to lose. You don't want to lose this on some late. Arizona State Manny Wilkins tears through like busting the back door either. 
that yeah and that's see that's the thing that terrifies me about this game is i feel like this could be like the two minutes left the game is decided here comes arizona state kicking down the back door 75 and a half is the over under (laughs) (laughs) i i'm leaning under but i am not confident in that and consider my normal philosophy 75 and a half and i'm not super comfy with an under that tells you pretty much everything you need to know okay so uh you you've got the utah arizona game as uh one of your locks we mentioned the usc cal game one where we both favor the trojans and probably the under there Mm -hmm. Uh, but not a lock for either one of us very interesting game. I want to make sure that uh, we get your get some thoughts on Washington going on the road to play Colorado. I am fascinated to see how I didn't think Jake Browning played very well in the Pac-12 no. championship game last year. And I know that Colorado has had a change in defensive coordinator and they lost like eight senior starters. But doggone it, the uh, the buffs have the buffs have been all right uh, here through three weeks now. You know, they played Colorado State, Texas State, and Northern Colorado. So this is a much different challenge. But when you're playing at home, this is this is another one of those spots where I don't think that Colorado will win, but Colorado is a good enough football team to where I think that Washington will be tested and not be able to just like slide by because they've got a massive advantage before like right when they get off the bus. Yeah, I don't have a great read on this. Um, Washington, to me, so far this year, I I can't get out of my head how bad their lines looked against Rutgers. Mm. It's like it's you know it's still there, and it's it's causing me to remain skeptical about just how good this Washington team is because you know it's not like Rutgers is kept on keeping on since that game. Rutgers has been kind of, you know, looking Rutgers-ish again. So I have concerns. I I just, before the season, you know, I, I expected Colorado to take a step back just because of everything it lost on defense and then including its defensive coordinator. And even though it's looked good to start the season, like you said, they haven't really played anybody worth, you know, the, the Colorado State game, that was, you know, its own but the other two games are just kind of like eh so i i took washington in the expert picks we picked it at 10 and a half it's now at 11 and a half it's a coin this spread to me is a coin flip colorado could win this game washington could blow colorado out i'm really not 100 percent sure where this is going to go i i think jake browning needs to play better you know you said he didn't play great in the pac-12 title game last year i don't think he's played great yet this season he's not been impressive no, I mean, he's he, at least not against, you know, teams with pulses. So I, I don't know. This is I'm going to be interested in this game just because I think it'll give us an idea of how good Washington actually is. But I mean, th- this is one of those situations. They're both playing at the same time. By the end of Saturday night, we could be convinced Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12 North. Like UCLA wins, Colorado wins. And all of a sudden, we're like, uh... And Oregon beats Arizona State, and we're just kind of like, oh, it looks like the Ducks might be winning this thing. Man, this is... Like, 2007 was the super weird college football season. It's like we're having, like, already starting to see flashbacks to that with Kentucky, with Mississippi State. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's it's early. You don't want to get it, but it it there is a 2007 ish feel to this first month of the season so far. Oh my gosh, we haven't even mentioned. Uh, we got to get to these Big Ten games before we get out of here. Purdue, Michigan. Oh, I I want to take Purdue chip. I know. I, I mean, can't. well, I mean, you you took Purdue in the expert picks, but you can't throw it down on the lock page. Yeah, I took Purdue on the expert picks out of loyalty <laughs> to the Jeff Brom train. I do. It's I, but I, and it was at ten and a half. Then I'm not sure what it's at now. It's at. Let's see. It's gone. I think it's gone down, but it is at. Yeah, it's down to ten again. Um, I just my fear here is that. Michigan can't be as bad in the red zone as it has been. It can't be. Oh, yes, it, scored, it can. <laughs> it scored one touchdown in 10 red zone possessions. It can't be that bad. They're, Michigan at some point is going to have to have like a breakthrough. And I fear that it could be this week. And I fear that Purdue's offense maybe isn't going to have as much success against this Michigan defense as it has against other teams. It's just I so want Purdue to cover. I am just not, not super confident in it. Like this is like we had already uh, like there was already an adjustment period because preseason I looked at Purdue like, you know what? They're going to be a little bit better. Schedule's pretty tough, man. You know, this is like a. You know, this is like a, a a three or four win season with uh, with some good feelings. You know, moving forward. Then all of a sudden, like Purdue gets off to a pretty strong start, and I'm like, oh my goodness, eight win team. And it's yeah. like now we need to have the correction to where it's like, all right, if Purdue makes a bowl, that's good year one. Yeah, and I feel like last week Purdue absolutely crushing Mizzou, kind of you know made make sure Michigan's like okay. Um, we need to take this one seriously because it's like played Louisville tough and they just beat Mizzou on the road by 32. This isn't Purdue. We need to be ready for them. So I uh, got a text right before we started recording from Barton. He had Iowa plus 12 and a half on his locks. And before we hit record, he said, take it off. <laughs> Penn State too scary. Uh, I'm I agree with him. I've got Iowa plus 12 and a half as a principal play, but very much shied away from this being a lock for the chance that like one of these teams can put 30 points on the board and the other one can't. Yeah. And I I took Iowa too, but just a little history lesson for the listeners in 2008, Penn state went to Iowa city ranked number three in the AP poll and lost in 2009. Iowa came to Beaver stadium with Penn state ranked number five and Penn state lost the next year again in Iowa city, Penn State was only ranked number 23 at the time, and it lost. The last three times Penn State has played Iowa when it was ranked, it has lost all three of those games. Last year, though, Penn State just blew Iowa out of the water. It was 41-14 to in, in Happy Valley, and it, didn't, it really wasn't as close as that score suggests. So I don't know. I feel like it's, in a strange way, Penn State's offense struggled against Pitt now it's going on the road to play Iowa at night in Kinnick. This is by far, the, I think, the toughest test that Nittany Lions have had this year. But Iowa, I just don't know where on offense the it's going to find enough points because the running game for Iowa has not been great this year. And, you know, you think of Iowa, you think of a team that's going to try to run the ball against you. So I, I, I think this could be kind of a low-scoring, ugly game, which is kind of why I went with Iowa in the points. 
um, your confidence in Nevada covering 27 and a half against Wazoo is where? Because, uh, see, here's what makes me nervous is I think you've watched more Nevada than any of the rest of us. Yeah, I, I watched a game. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I just you had the I Nevada like, Northwestern over under play and a lot more interest in that than anybody else in the daggone country. You know, Nevada lost to Idaho State last week, but it, it staged a furious comeback. This is a team that could put up points. So I don't think it's got any shot in the world of beating Washington State. I just feel like four touchdowns is a lot for a Washington State defense that isn't exactly stalwart and a Nevada offense that has not been awful. So on a level of one to ten, ten being the most confident, I'm about a four and a half to five. I am. I like your uh your BC sandwich play against Clemson. <laughs> I mean, 35 points is a lot. That's a lot of points. And it's, they play every year. They're division foes. Yeah. They're familiar with each other. Um, Clemson just had a huge win last week. Can't exactly be super excited to come off a Louisville win and go home to face Boston College. I don't know if the juice is really going to be there. So, Got And that. also, with, with other big games coming, Clemson might just figure once it gets ahead of BC, okay, let's just you know get out of here with our, with our health and go home. Got Virginia Tech on the road next week. Yeah, so it's like there's – it's it's a it's a tricky spot for Clemson. I mean, five touchdowns is a lot. I don't. I'd still say this is only about a three on the confidence meter, though. <laughs> I just I wonder if uh, I wonder if this Clemson defense is really really gets it. Like this Clemson defense, I think is at that point where they want to pitch shutouts, and they're capable of it. Forty to ten. Dang, that would still be a Boston College I'll take cover. It. Give me that. Give me that 40 to 10. Come on, 45 to 10. No, no, no. You said 40. You're stuck. <laughs> uh, any other weird lines or anything else that stood out to you that we want to get uh, get on record before we get out of here? Uh, I like Pitt and the points against Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. I just think that there's a bit of an overreaction to Pitt being thrashed by Oklahoma State. And Georgia Tech is a much better matchup for Pitt. Are you more or less confident when I tell you that uh, Pitt has decided to open up its quarterback competition? More confident because... (laughs) Because Ben DiNucci is going to be the guy that's going to change it all. Listen, they're putting an Italian at quarterback. Take Pitt on the money line, people. (laughs) Pat Narduzzi picking Ben DiNucci. It's over. I mean... Max Brown, you ain't Italian. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I like it. He is Tom Fernelli. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Make sure that you subscribe to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast because subscribers get them first. Tom, thank you very much. Thank you very much.